Why don't you just turn to Matthew 16, 18, please. The message is entitled, Building the Church God's Way. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church, and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. The church of Jesus Christ is well and alive and healthy, ready to be taken up with the Lord. Not everything you see is the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, there's tares, there's wheat together that grow together. There are people who come to the Lord and then go back in the world. Other people backslide. There's all kinds of different combinations that go on. But we need to be clear that it is God who builds this church. The late founder and pastor of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, in his book, Calvary Chapel Distinctives, in chapter 1, Building the Church, God's Way, lays out how God builds the church rather than depending on human gimmicks, programs, or devices to manipulate the people to gain finances. Pastor Chuck believed it was God's responsibility to build a church, and he does so. He's sufficient for it. Pastor Chuck believed it was the responsibility of the pastor to feed the flock of God and not to fleece the flock of God. You ever heard Chuck? Every program, he never begged for money. He doesn't do that. That's all you hear on every radio program, TV program, even Calvary Chapels today. Things have changed. Pastor um, Chuck came out of the denominations, as you know, because he got tired of all the carnal gimmicks. The programs, if you will, that were used to hype up the people to build up the church in numbers. Numbers is the thing that people are always shooting for. That is no measure of God's church. Now, we believe God will add to the church, but we never want to be deceived that because we have a lot of people that it's God's church. Speaker one time, and this I heard directly from Chuck, um, he was in a regional meeting and um, it was where the leaders were acknowledging that the carnal state of many of the church um, was of such that they must use carnal means and methods to motivate the people to get the work done. And so at the end of that, the uh, speaker got up and said, everybody was in agree with me, stand up. And they're all around this regional meeting. Everybody stood up except for Chuck. These are his words. This is his account. Chuck went on to say that the leaders demonstrated they were more carnal than the people by the very fact that they were attempting to use carnal means to accomplish a spiritual work. It's always backwards, ladies and gentlemen. We must be spiritual and use the word of God and the principles to see God work. Anything we do in the flesh will not last. In fact, it will corrupt the work of God. When Chuck first started teaching, he taught um, um, back in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, 10 chapters a night on Saturday night, on Sunday, on Sunday night, verse by verse. The level of, of biblical literacy was so low that it was like steak. And then, of course, as the church grew in knowledge, he started slowing down. We are back to that again. The level of biblical biblicity of knowledge today is so low because of the emergence of the secret friendly that people don't know anything about the Bible. It's amazing what they share the Bible teaches and what they practice. And they still call themselves Christians. Throughout the 50 years of ministry, Pastor Chuck Smith taught all the pastors of Calvary Chapels, as we met once a year in a conference, to depend upon God to build his own church, not to use human efforts or carnality. I was at every conference since 1973, except for one I was in Israel. I was there. This was the philosophy of Pastor Calvary Chapel, or Pastor Chuck Smith of Calvary Chapel. And um, it regarded who and how the church was to be built. And he taught this consistently until the day he died. God builds his church, not man. Not church growth principles that are taught 
especially from McGavern and Peter Wagner of Fuller Seminary. All the churches go after. Everybody's right back to church growth. Not after the seeker-friendly church model of church growth. That was modeled after, really, Robert Schuller, which was a big example and protege of Rick Warren. The corporations are not run like churches. Not after the model of postmodern church movement of the emergent church. So the seeker friendly goes out and hands out flyers to the, to the uh, community and neighborhood at canvases, you know, and they ask you questions, you know, uh, what kind of church would you attend? What kind of sermons would you hear? How long would you tolerate sitting there? And so the people give up all these things and people get up in a, in a, a pastor team and they go out and they, they make sure the church is uh, somewhere near the freeway. It's a good location and all these things and all this information they computer it in and all of a sudden they are building their church. A carnal church. People that won't tolerate sin, repentance, or anything like that. Talking about fornication or adultery. They just, you know, they don't want to talk about that stuff. And so they build a carnal church. That is what's happening right now all over the place, ladies and gentlemen. The level of God's word is so low today in the church. It's all about how you feel. I don't care how you feel. What do you know about God? What do you know about his coming? What do you know about what the Bible says about sin and repentance and fellowship? Hmm. In view of this, we want to look at the Calvary Chapel distinctive trusting God to build his church. As he directs his church through his spirit and verifies it through the movement, through the church, through the man. And so we want to go through and verify what God has done here. Not that God will do the same thing everywhere, but that we should be able to, if we believe the Bible and we can see the principles in Scripture and we can put them side by side, we should be able to see God directing the church. And it's just not something that we're doing. So we want to look at what God has done in the 36 years. Some of you have not, um, have not weren't here at the beginning. You've come in afterwards. So you understand what we are as Calvary Chapel, as Pastor Chuck Smith Taught and lifted out. The danger is often that God is left out of the picture once he raises up the church and it begins to develop. And they start depending simply on the function of the church with the members, the number of people they have. Because the numbers is money, right? And so they start pressuring and prodding and doing programs and everything else. And, you know, they do a lot of incredible things. They get a lot of money. And that's what a lot of people are into. Listen to the words of Jesus Christ. That is an insult to Jesus Christ, by the way. That he would start the church and then you take it over and you build your kingdom. Listen to his words in John 15, 1 through 9. I am the, I am the true vine. My father is the um, vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he will take away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Talking to the disciples. He's made this beautiful illustration. Now he goes from illustration to personal application to his disciples. Listen. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out of the branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you will or you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples as the Father loves me. I also have loved you. Abide in my love. That's the principle of God directing, God guiding, God blessing, God building his church. So, let's look at this next distinctive of Calvary Chapel regarding the building of the church God's way. Let me do it by noting three things. First, God guides us one step at a time, and he raises up a church. We should be able to see that clearly. 
Secondly, God provides the finances for a church. He's not broke. Third, God provides the principles for the leading of the church. They come from Scripture. First, Second Timothy, Titus. Ecclesiastical books. How to run the church. So let's begin here with um, God guides us one step at a time and raises up a church. Um, God started a home Bible study in March of uh, 1980, uh, all the way till June of 1980. I was on staff at Calvary Chapel, West Covina, since September of 1976. I went out to do a Bible study. I had no intentions of building a church. I wasn't looking for a pastor. I just was asked to do a study. I did it. It was at George Gutierrez's house, his wife Rita, and his mother-in-law, um, uh, Lorraine. And uh, as we taught right there on Hidalgo Street in uh, Alhambra, the study consisted of, of the three, and they had two boys. And um, again, never an intention to build a church, to establish a church, to motivate people or manipulate people. God kept bringing people till the house was full. And um, by the time we got to June, um, it, it was pretty evident that God was raising up a work. But I was still praying and seeing what God would direct. And God was already raising people up. That's just Frank Marquez, which is with the Lord now. He's home with the Lord. Um, Frank Buhanda, who is moving over in Marietta, and many, many others. Uh, Pete Mornay. Um, he's with the Lord also. And um, we believe God was raising a church by this time very clearly. Again, you begin with a Bible study and you see God doing a work. And um, so we, we prayed and we decided to go knock on doors to see if there was somebody who would rent us a place so that we can gather together and start maybe a Sunday morning. So we, we became uh, corporated as a church during that time under the title of Calvary Outreach of Alhambra. That was our original name, Calvary Outreach of Alhambra. We, we went to the YMCA on Main Street, and we asked them if, if we could rent it out on Sundays. They said that they had never done this, but they would ask their board, and they came back, and they told us that they were more than willing. So we held our first Sunday morning service in June of 1980 at the YMCA. It consisted of about 75 people, um, and we also had our midweek uh, up in the second story. Uh, the windows would be open, the bus stop was right there, the buses stopped, and here and everything else. And, but we, you know, we, we didn't care. In fact, you'll be showing you some pictures up here. That's right there at the, uh, at the YMCA. There was about 75, as I said. And Mario, that was the first time that Mario came. Now, me and Mario, Mario and myself had known each other since we'd been 14 years old. Went to the same high school, had the same friends. He got saved at the beach. I got saved out here. He came back, got involved with West Covina. We were doing work and taping and putting the church together. And, um, and he showed up a Sunday morning and never left. And so he's been here. Um, so from June to September um, of um, 1980, we met in the YMCA at Alhambra. God provided everything by receiving only one offering once a week on Sunday as we continue to do what is biblical. Without any pressure, without any begging, no prodding. Then God led us to the women's club that you see there um, from 1980 to 81, an old wood building across the street from the high school, if some of you remember on 2nd Street, and we met in the front room, and the children were in the back in the kitchen, and you can hear all the running around our wooden floors, and, uh, and, 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 and if you have some old tapes, you can hear the crickets in the background. Um, it's interesting. And um, Roby Duke, that, we were his first uh, uh, church that he played when he came out from the Midwest. He played, we gave him $50 in 1980. Roby's now with the Lord also. Then the Lord led us to the Masonic Lodge. Yes, a Masonic Lodge. In 1981 to 83, 
This was on First Street behind the Women's Club. We usually had our services in the auditorium where there was like a cafeteria and a stage. And um, once in a while, we would uh, have to hold services in the Masonic Lodge itself, which sat two sides, one side here, one side over here, kind of like a synagogue. And it was all weird stuff. And, um, and then our children would be upstairs also and downstairs. Um, in fact, at the Masonic Lodge parking lot right next to the building, it was the first sunrise service we ever had. And the wind was blowing so hard that it almost blew the speakers over. And as soon as we got done carrying the chairs in, it started coming down the rain. Um, all these things are interesting how God led us and directed and guided. We are so excited every step of the way. Again, God provided everything um, by receiving that one offering once a week. Uh, never any prodding, never any begging, no letters, no cookie sales, no nothing. And then the Lord led us to the Seventh-day Adventist Church, 1983, about February to 1985. This was um, on Chapel Street, just south of Main Street. And uh, we began by using the small chapel in the midweek, and then on Sundays, we began using later on the main chapel. And God did a great work there through those years. Um, we ultimately were asked to leave because we had a concert there with Undercover. And um, they didn't uh, go along with it too much, so they asked us to leave. And they gave us about a month or so. And so we kept looking and calling everywhere, at least 100 places, and we couldn't find anywhere. And again, God always faithful provide. And we said, okay, well, so I just um, announced that our last meeting um, on that Thursday um, that I was going to start the introduction to Ephesians by faith, that God would open the doors for the following week. As I was sharing that, there was a gentleman in the audience there in the um, Seventh-day Adventist Church who said, listen, you might be able to rent out the church over in Temple City, Dr. Orr's old church. So we went in and inquired and we were able to rent the facility. So the next week, we had a place um, at the church at Rosemead. And God took care of it completely. God was doing a work completely. At that time, also, we were looking for a building seriously. We looked at an old uh, closed-down supermarket and didn't work out. There was also a furniture building on Main Street that didn't work out. And in fact, we were pretty serious about a roller rink over in Rosemead. We even had drafted up some, um, some blueprints. Uh, Bob Kins did them for us. And, uh, but we didn't follow through, and I'm glad we didn't. But again, just knocking on doors, seeing what God would open, what he would close, and everything else. And again, all this time, God is providing everything through just one offering that we receive on Sunday. And then the Lord led us to rent a church there in Temple City at the same time at the movie theater of Alhambra. So our midweek was over in Rosemead, and we moved from Thursday to Wednesday. That's the only time we've ever had Wednesday services during that time over there. Then on Sunday, we were um, at, um, at the um, theater in Alhambra. And we rented that Hope Evangelical Free Church on Rosemead. That's what the name of it was. And again, Dr. Orr's old church there. And um, in the theater, we were there on Sunday morning, but our children were at the, uh, at the South Pasadena YMCA. So people would leave their children to the YMCA and then go back and go to church. Um, it was during this time that we went from about 500 people to about 300. But we were excited. God was doing some things. We've never trusted numbers, ladies and gentlemen. We've trusted God who's doing the work. And during this time, as we were there in the cockroach-infested theater, they were so big you could ride them to the bathroom. Thank God there was only one light bulb in the whole theater. And when you walked through, you had to grip your, your, your shoes. Otherwise, there was such, such candy on the floor, you would step out of it. And, uh, but I stood on the little platform at the bottom because we didn't go by the theater, by the screen. And when it rained, the water was like a mold and you had all these wires and everything else. But God was doing a work. 
He was bringing people. People were being saved. People were being taught. It's an amazing thing when you have the high privilege to be part of something like that um, and to see God work in many different ways. Um, during this time, we went again from five to 300. But it didn't discourage us. During the six and a half years from March of 1980 to September of 1986 now, in all these locations, all the elders and the ushers and all that would come to the building. We used to have a, a, a office on Stoneman before the redevelopment center, and they helped us move out. And then we got a building um, uh, on Garfield. And every time they would come, we would load up the the pickups with the chairs, the duplicating machines, the tape machines, everything. And we would go to the locations and clean it all up and set it all up, tear it down again and clean up the place better than when we first came. We did it for six and a half years because we saw God doing a work calling people and raising the church up. Our, our intention was never to be this huge church or to have a building and... and it wasn't even in our mind. God provided everything through receiving only one offering on Sunday. I say this, and I am repeating it purposely, that you may understand who we're trusting to build His church. And that no man can glory. I cannot stand before you and say, you know, what you see here before you is because of my great faith. Never. Ever. I am one from you, among you, just like you, enjoying the ride in all that God has done, what he has done. In fact, God has been so gracious and abundant to so many of us in many different ways that it really humbles you. When you exalt yourself against the Lord, you really don't understand what God has done. So, as Calvary Chapel, we believe God raises up a church and He adds to it those that are going to be saved. On the second point, God provides the finances for a church. Now, I've told you repeatedly that He has done this, but let me give you some specifics so you understand. Not for any sense of boasting, that is not the case, to show you how great and awesome God is and that He's the only one that can do this kind of work, okay? Calvary Chapel Outreach Alhambra was offered a church here in Pasadena, this location. We saw God continuing to guide us as a church, and He brought to our attention through this realtor this location. When he called us up, I said, no, we're not interested in, because we're looking in, in Alhambra. We believe that we're going to stay in Alhambra. He said, well, you come and check it out anyway. So Mario and myself drove up, and, and we pulled up here uh, in front of the office, and we parked there. And, and where the gym is, there used to be a, a beautiful little uh, old Gothic church because that's where the, this location is where the Nazarenes had their beginnings. The cornerstone was 1929, if I remember correctly. Um, I'll tell you what happened to it as we move along. But we, and then the realtor told us that we had turned it away once before. I, I don't remember that I did, but it must have been over the phone. Um, but we couldn't believe the location, Colorado Boulevard. And it's only five miles straight from Alhambra, right through San Marino up here. And the church was not in the best of shapes. There was this primary building um, the pews were like zebra material. They were loose. They weren't nailed down because they danced around in the spirit in here. Uh, the chandeliers were handmade, homemade of plastic. The, the carpet was uh, blood red. And there was a huge crucifix up here with a tower. In fact, there was a tower out in that planter on the corner of Colorado and that straight up about 50 feet up that we took down. And... Uh, there was the courtyard, the old church, and the education, but it was all dilapidated, like an old modern building. Um, we thought we would never fill it. 
too big. That's how much faith we had. So we made an offer that very day. Mario and I walked around. We walked all around. We were standing at the two doors there at the front of the office. And um, as we were talking, um, I, I, we're just talking there. And again, we got only 300 people. And, and I said, well, how much do you guys want? And um, he said, a million two hundred thousand. I go, okay. Will you take a million? 300 people. Why did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> they said, well, let us go back to our board. We'll come back. We'll talk with you. Went back and forth. Um, we ended up at um, a million 80,000. Now, they had a Buddhist group that were willing to give them cash. But they didn't want to give it to them. They wanted Christians to take it over. So you see God working all the way, right? One step at a time. That following month on April of 86 is when we settled on that price. And the loan that we attained, we attained from a secular bank. Now during this time, you have to understand the Calvary Chapel history with Pastor Chuck at Costa Mesa. Pastor Chuck was giving church loans to a lot of the Calvaries, okay? Especially the biggie guys and that, okay? And they got loans from him, okay? We did not go to Pastor Chuck to get money from him. We said, if God's in it, then he'll take care of us. And we went to the bank, a secular bank, and that bank okayed us with 300 people. They locked the loan for two to three months before we got in. Now, you've got to understand the percentage points and all that's going on during 1986. Okay? So we saw God's hand in the work. And then they said, the loan is due in five years. I go, shoot. <laughs> but I said, okay, Lord, you're in this. And I don't know what you're going to do in five years. You may have something else just like you have here right now. So if I turn it down because of the five-year note, it's like spitting in your face. All right. Let's go for it. We borrowed 820000 from the bank. We needed 260000 as a down payment. We borrowed a second mortgage for thirty five. The Lord provided for the other $225,000. No special offerings, no cookie sales. I didn't cry. Didn't have to sell my kids. Um... And everybody was so excited seeing God work. 300 people. We moved in October 1st of 1986. We just celebrated 30 years in this location, 36 years as a ministry. The first winter... They said the building would be okay in terms of roof conditions, but that's the way it goes. The roof started leaking like a sieve. Mario and myself climbed up this tower here straight up, and we're up there stapling heavy plastic and funneling into buckets and everything else. And uh, But we got through it. God took care of it. We put a new roof in. And then a year later, to the very day, October the 1st of 1987, the Whittier earthquake hit. Some of you remember. There was such an excess amount of brick that brick was worthless. The old Gothic church got cracked, the tower, through that earthquake. We had to bring it down. And so as we brought it down, we had to have it compacted engineered because it had a full basement. And we put a grass area and where you walk into the, into the gym, that used to be just cement out, a patio, and then grass on the other side with a um, wrought iron fence all the way around. And um, so we said, okay, Lord. At that time, we were, um, we were taking a lot of the kids up north here to go play basketball with the high school. Um, and then we started thinking... Um, about maybe a gym. 
Now, we refied the loan about the fourth year because there was only about one year left. We started looking around, and we found this quote-unquote Christian organization, supposedly, but they tried to pull a fast one on us, but God took care of that. That was the 1990. And so we refied into a 15-year loan in 1990, and we took out $90,000 because we had built some equity, and we repaved the parking lot and put lights in. It used to have no lights, and it looked like Gumby's head when you drove through it. Um, so we did all that. We remodeled the sanctuary, and we refaced the educational building also uh, when we took that Gothic church down. The ministry had been functioning from month to month with no savings until about a year before we built the gym in 1994. So in 1994, we were praying about building um, a gym. This way we could just put in, I think it was five feet short of a high school, the lanes. I said, oh, that's fine. And so we started praying, looking around, and... um, we built the gym in 1994 for May. I believe it finished in December. And um, the total of the gym was 345000 By the time that we got done and we put the key and opened the door, it was paid completely off. And we had money in the bank for the first time. No um, car sales, no cooking sales, just... Receive one offering. By the way, we don't take an offering. We receive an offering from you as the Lord leads you. And God took care of us completely. No begging. No stories. Just teaching the word of God. Taking care of the people. Seeing God work. So, as Calvary Chapel, we believe God will provide all the finances for what He wants to do. God has not called me to build my kingdom. God has called me to follow Him and what He wants to do. Very important. Now, for our third point, God provides the principles for the leading of the church. If God is in something, we should be able to see God's hand and you should be able to be compared to the scriptures. That's important, okay? I'm not here to pump you up. I'm not here to motivate you artificially. A lot of the speaking that goes on now over the pulpits of America is motivational speaking. It has very little content of the biblical texts. And uh, the low level of biblical literacy is really low at this point in America. And that's why people are being deceived. Now the Lord opened the doors, as I have shared with you, and led us, as he did with Paul. You remember Paul? He was called out by the Holy Spirit in Acts 13 to it says, As they ministered to the Lord and they fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. I was not looking to establish church. I was on staff. I was not looking to be a pastor. I'm not saying, oh, you know, I started. No, I didn't give any. This, this, this is what I gave up. Are you ready? I gave hell up. It's all I've ever given up. I have not sacrificed anything. Okay? So don't let any pastor tell you what, how great he is and what all he, all he sacrificed. That's junk. God called me. God sent me. I can go somewhere else and try to start a church. It will not work. It will not work if God hasn't called me and sent me. It must be the person. Then God will lead, redirect, guide the person. As we have seen us be the case. Even as Paul and Silas, the Holy Spirit in Acts 16, 6 through 10, forbidding them to speak in Mysia and Asia, Bithynia, directing them, redirecting them to Troas, 
to the ministry of Philippi. Step at a time. Knocking on doors. Continue to teach. This goes for a new ministry that God would start up as a church. But we don't give anything mouth to mouth. If some ministry doesn't go, we give it a decent burial, in the words of Pastor Chuck. If you strive to attain, you have to strive to maintain, his words also. Where God guides, he provides, his words also. The biblical principles. The Lord provided as he was in his leading. We believe at Calvary Chapel here that where the Lord guides again, he provides. One week at a time, as we continue to teach, serve you, see what God wants to do, and we step out. We believe at Calvary Chapel that um, raising of money is not our responsibility, that if we just teach what the Bible says, and give God's people an opportunity to show their love for God. If God's in the work, God will do it. So we don't take, we don't make pledges. We don't um, send out a mailing list for offerings, as many churches do. Because a lot of times people commit themselves to, okay, I'm going to give X amount for the year. And then every month your little thing comes, oh, doggone it. You know, don't give it. Please, at any time, if you feel that you regret it, don't pollute our offering. Paul says that God loves a hilarious, cheerful giver. We do it because we love the Lord. And we see God working. That's all. Now, this is not the belief of all the Calvary chapels now. Chuck is dead, remember? Things have changed. Many of them do beg. They are on raising fund programs. Because now they have to feed their machine. They don't, they still say what God guides he provides, but they don't live it out. There's a big difference. We believe at Calvary Chapel that if you strive again to attain, you will have to strive to maintain. Again, the words of Pastor Chuck. As the people are taught, Pastor Chuck always taught, then God will take care of the rest. And we have seen this over and over and over again through the 36 years. There's nothing that I can boast about you more than your gracious, benevolent obedience to respond to what God is doing in your heart and in your life. That's what it's all about. I've seen God do some incredible work some of your lives, in your marriages, your children what he's brought you out of, all of us, how good God is. And when we stop depending upon the power of God to lead, to guide, to provide, then we cease to be his church and we have just raised up a club, a corporation, an organization. The church is an organism. We're going to learn that in the next series. An organism. He answered the church. The Lord's activities must be in accord then with God's provisions and never, ever beyond them. We have always lived within our means. I suppose that you have to do the same, right? You make X amount of money, you don't go beyond it, right? And if you have a little emergency on January and you go $50 over, you've got to cut back $50 over the next month. So you balance out, right? just real simple. The reason our nation is in the shape it's in because we spend more money than we take in. It's like the guy that says, how can I be out of money? I still have checks. Right? You laugh at it. Some people believe that's the truth. We've gotten off the radio at times because the funds weren't coming in. We don't cry to you. Get off the radio. No big deal. We've um, even had to lay Tony off one time years back. 
You didn't complain, say, you guys, you guys. You went to work, got added, provided, came back on staff. No big deal. We've made adjustments as needed, and we always do. We go to God in prayer in the morning, every day. Pray for you. Pray for God's direction, guidance, good stewardship. And then we see what God is leading. We don't want to go beyond what he's leading. We've always been open for God's leading that we might obey in faith and then have him confirm his leading. So in other words, we, we don't say, Lord, we want to do this, and then we try to pump you and motivate you, and then we say, Lord, now bless our work. No. Lord, if this is the way you're leading. We're going to follow you, and then we see God bless. That's the proper order. Be it for staff, for outreaches, for missions, whatever it may be. We never take offering in concerts. We never take offerings in midweek. We never take offering on Sunday night. We never take an offering in admissions. We believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive and that God's people are very benevolent and that they are sufficient for God to do the work through them to reach the community, to be a light, to be the body of Christ. I believe that with all my heart. And that will never stop as long as I'm pastor. The Lord um, requires us the principle to be the best steward that we can be in the spending. So we have attempted to get the best price that we can, the best quality for the lowest price. We do not buy impulsively. We do not buy under pressure. We make sure and pray, Lord, are you in this? Do we need it? We attempt to get as much interest as possible in anything that we would put in the bank. But today it's a joke. It's an insult. I'm waiting for them to charge us money to put money in. It'll get there. And we do so without jeopardizing it in as much and as far as we can. We believe in taking care of the facilities and not allow unnecessary wear and tear through abuse. So if you have your kid running around the sanctuary and he starts running on the chairs, I'm going to ask him to get down. The ushers do the same thing because we believe we take care of the church of God. But we don't worship this building. You go to some churches, they're very ornate. They have very expensive artwork. You walk in the foyer, there's marble, there's this, there's that. We believe that's a waste of God's money. We believe that clean and simple is the way to go. So that when you come in here, you feel safe, you feel comfortable. You see that it's clean, people serve you. And you're not distracted as your children are being taught the word of God on their level. You're here with your heart open for God's spirit to deal with you. To make you the best mom and dad, husband and wife that is possible. And to be a witness of Jesus Christ. The Lord had um, added to the staff as we've grown. Through the years. First it was myself and Mario. And a part time secretary in Alhambra. Then we added Tony. To the staff. And I said you know you have to be laid off for a while. Um, we've had full time secretaries. And part time secretaries. Now the staff has grown. We have Henry, Diego, Fernando, Sam, Jonathan. There are various ministries in operation. That need full time attention. We have the children's ministry. Fernando. He has his own tribe. Six. His own little church. And then we have um, the teen ministry with Diego. Marriage ministry, concerts, and the bookstore. We have Henry and Isabel part-time. A lot of helpers that help out in the bookstore during Sundays and everything else. We have um, the um, 
radio and audio ministry, uh, the website, the recording, all the electronics that we have, Jonathan. We have missions and evangelism that Tony oversees and takes care of. And we have Mario, the administrator, over all of this stuff. These guys are godly men. They love the Lord more than they love me. That's why they're effective. You understand that? Your love must supersede any love for your wife, your husband, your children, your pastor, your friend, everybody. If your love for Christ is not first, everything will fall apart. It's just that simple. And then we can love each other properly and biblically. The front office is there to keep everything up to date and orderly, Veronica, Michelle, part-time. We have Luis Rocha, who does an incredible job. You ladies and the rest of the body, you receive the benefit of it. Do you know, realize that we do all of our printing and all of our artwork? We do not pay. You know how much money we would pay if we had to do this out of house? We have equipment that was donated to us from the movie theaters and different things, and we've updated different things through the years. And we do the books, the ladies' books. All the preparation, everything is done here. All the artwork you see all around, the flyers for the concerts, for the um, different things, everything in-house. Incredible work that Luis does. God raises these people up. We didn't put a wanted ad. The numerous people that God has faithfully raised up to fill various ministries to do the work in various ministries. Any given Sunday, you've got about 100 to 125 people serving here on Sunday. God puts it all together. From the nursery to children, the junior high school, the high school, the ushers, the elders, the coffee shop, everything. Parking lot attendant. And by the way, all these guys get here way before any of you do to make sure this building is ready and the parking lot ready for you to greet you. And we are very aware that you guys work so very hard during the week. And you still take time to be used of God. I commend you. Commend you tremendously. You see, as Calvary Chapel, we believe God will lead us on a daily basis in the area of ministry, His church. And... um, He wants to develop it. He wants to expand it. And whenever he sees that we're not following him, let me tell you, he is more than able to shut it down. Guaranteed. And so, this is the distinctive of Calvary Chapel. The building of the church God's way. Absolutely his way. I love it. Nothing like it. God has guided us one step at a time and raised up a church. God has provided the finances for the church. And God has provided the principles for the leading of the church. My prayer is that we will continue to trust And depend on the Lord in the years to come and those that follow. And that the Lord Jesus will use each of you as you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But if you're not here primarily because you love the Lord, and if you're not here because you want to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you will not be an asset to the church of Jesus Christ. You will be a liability. You must know God's word. 
so that the Holy Spirit can speak to you, direct you, guide you as a husband, as a wife, as a mother, as a father, as a son, as a daughter, as his Christian witness in the midst of a revival of heresy in a very dark world awaiting the soon return of Jesus Christ for his church. I couldn't tell you that with more and greater urgency than I can today. After 42 years of walking with him. Where in the days of Jeremiah? Read the book. Look at the world scene. Look at our nation. Look at the condition and state of the church. But you have no excuse. You know what God has done here. You know what the Bible says. And our prayer is that you continue to follow the Lord. Lord, thank you for your love, your goodness, your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And your awesome love for us, Lord. Pray for every person here this morning, Lord. Your hand be upon them. You watch over them. And Lord, we want to worship you and thank you for what you have done. What an awesome ride has been, Lord. We pray we continue to stay in the car, in the back seat, and let you drive, Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you. As you're praying, if you're here, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has brought you here to be saved. God died for your sins in the person of Jesus Christ so that you might be able to call on his name to forgive you of your sin. As he rose from the dead, he gave evidence that he did pay the price of sin. And so the gospel is all about the good news of declaring Jesus Christ, the God-man who made the atonement for the sins of the world. And that if we will believe that that's exactly what he did, that we can call upon him and have our sins forgiven and be made new creatures in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're over the internet or the radio. And you're out there. I don't care what you're into, material things, pleasure. It's all going to come to an end and you're always going to have to have more. It's a black hole. Only as you come to Jesus Christ and ask him to change your life, to forgive you of your sins, will you find fulfillment in life. And will you find exactly what he created you for. If you see yourself as a sinner, it is the grace of God by the work of the Spirit of God who convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. But now you have a decision to make. Do you believe it enough to call upon his name to be saved? That's your department, not God's. So if you want to be born again, this is your prayer of repentance to be born again. You're going to say this to Jesus, not us. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen.